0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Who's enjoyed this morning so far? Who's enjoyed the worship at the start of the morning? It was awesome, wasn't it? When we use that term worship, what, we, what we're really saying, I guess, is we, we enjoyed singing to God this morning. We enjoyed an aspect of worship this morning. And I wake up very regularly every morning, you know, most mornings I wake up, and I'm just, just glad to be alive, I'm glad to know God, and, and often I wake up with a song in my heart. The only difficulty with that is, is my family, because they don't appreciate my awesome talent, early in the morning. In fact, it doesn't matter what my family's doing, You know, even if they're, if they're asleep, if they're awake, if they're in the middle of a massive fight, there's one way to, not, to unite my family. And that's for me to start singing. It's like, Dad! And sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes Ashari will give me, in no uncertain terms, the fact that I'm making her headache worse. Or sometimes I'll just get a chorus of, shut up! It's hard to believe pastor's kids or even a pastor's wife would say that, but it's true, it happens. That's it, that's it. We're in good company, us rainbows. (laughs) We've got to stick together. We're all tone deaf and whatever, disabled in that area. Um, But anyway, Jesus said in John chapter 4, I think it was verse 23, he said, In the days to come, and even now, true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. I've just been thinking about that lately because, like I said, I love singing. I love that aspect of worship. But I think it's a tragedy if that's all there is to our worship. Now, we've turned worship, I think, you know. again, I've been around long enough to have experienced some of the different styles of worship, done the scripture in song thing, spent a bit of time in Sally Ann's church before we were married doing the hymn thing done the Hillsong thing, done all the other, you know, many other, I haven't done any Gregorian chanting or anything like that, maybe one day. You know, there are so many styles, you know, dad used to like the bluegrass thing, (laughs) there's the country, you know, there's all those different styles of worship, like in terms of music and song, and and that's all very cool, but I don't think when Jesus was talking about worshipping in the spirit and truth, he was really trying to identify a style. Or even encouraging the church to discover the sound of heaven, whatever that may be. I mean I am fully love worship, I love coming to church. It's so much easier to worship amongst you guys. You sort of drown me out a little bit. I appreciate the, the musos up here. It's just it's great. But that's not the full extent of worship. There's so much more to worship. I mean this if, if I could compare that aspect of worship to a marriage, because we've been doing a marriage course recently, and, and last time we talked about love and the different aspects of love. There are different aspects of love in the love package, if you like. There's the romantic side of love. There's the, there's the physical side of love. And there's the friendship side of love. And then there's the sacrificial side of love. And all these things. And I think when we're talking you know, worship in the, in the sense of singing and, and pray, playing music and so on and so forth, it, it, to me it's like the romantic sort of love. It's like the, the rose. Or maybe it's like the date night. It's great. It's awesome. But it's not all there is to a marriage. And likewise with our relationship with God, I'm, I'm sure he loves the fact that we come together and sing our little hearts out and you know express it. But it's easy here, isn't it? You know, in, this, in this environment, it's just so easy to get caught up in the goodness of God. But like a marriage, you've then got Monday that you go into and Tuesday and Wednesday and so on and so forth. And... And what's what's the expression of our worship there? Maybe like me, you find it easy to get up in the morning and sing and get shouted down regularly. Um, that's cool too. But I think Jesus is talking about more. You know, Romans chapter twelve verse one. It talks about the fact that offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so, what I want to do this morning, briefly, is to just have a look at some of the other elements of worship beyond singing, beyond. Instrumental and so on and so forth. Seven elements, and I'm going to use the word worship as an acronym, okay? So I can remember where we're going. So you can keep me on track if I start to spell it wrong. All right. So W, W, in terms of worship, what is it? Well, to me, it's about witnessing. I don't like that word, but let's get think of any other W's. All right. But it's this. Think of this. Think you've you've got a friend who you've known for a long time. Maybe you went to primary school with him. Maybe you went to high school with him. Maybe you now work with them, you don't live too far away, and actually you like them enough to see them on the weekend. Imagine that. Now imagine that one day, having known this person for 30, 40 years, you suddenly find out they're married. Would that be a little bit weird? Like, you know, you've been over their house, you've never seen a wife. (laughs) They've never said anything, you didn't get invited to a wedding or anything. It's just like, you've known this person, and yet you didn't really know them. You didn't know something about their life. To me, that's weird and it's unusual when you, and it probably wouldn't happen. I can't imagine that actually happening. Sometimes you find out that people are married you haven't seen for 20 years. It's like, oh, they're married. They've got kids. Great. But i thought about someone you're having regular contact with. That would be a little bit weird, wouldn't it? What's more likely to happen is you know, you're at school together or you're uni together or you're at work or at the pub or whatever and you know someone lets you know that, hey, I've met this really great guy or this really great girl. And so you get a bit of information to start with. And maybe, you know, if it was a few years ago, it would have been a photo. Maybe nowadays it's probably a Facebook thing or a, something on the iPhone or whatever. But you see a picture and, you know, eventually you get to meet the person and ask them, what do you reckon? And, you, you know, there's all this conversation going on about how great this person is. And then eventually it's like a wedding and then a marriage. And, you know, and it just that's just the way it is. It's not unusual. It's not weird. It's just like this person who means so much to you is a part of your life and it's a part of. Your circle of friends' life. Now, to come back to witnessing, that's kind of like what witnessing about. It's like there's evidence in your life that someone means something. What about as a Christian? It would be a little bit weird to me if you've been a Christian 20 years and your friends have no idea. Like they've been over your house, they've seen what you and and they've just nothing about your life would suggest that you're a Christian. That would be weird. So witnessing, to me, is just simply about being real about your relationship with God. There should be evidence. I'm not talking about getting a Bible and stuffing it down someone's throat. I'm just saying in the everyday movements of your life and the conversations of your life, it should become apparent that you go to church on Sunday. It should become apparent that you've got a whole lot out of knowing God. And there's some really wonderful other people that know God. And it shouldn't be a shock to people when they find out you're a Christian. Unfortunately, I was in that situation once. When I was at uni, I, some people found out I was a Christian, and they were shocked. And to my shame, and fortunately, that was around about the time where God was just getting me by the scruff of the neck and shaking me up a little bit. But that's that's all. Worship is a reflection. At the end of the day, worship. I think I say this earlier, but worship really, at its bottom, you know, you boil it all down, it's just about what is God worth to you. It's a demonstration of God's worth in your life. Okay, so there should be evidence, and I think one of the, there should be a witness in your life that God is worth something to you. If he's in the closet somewhere, if he's someone that you don't talk about, if he's someone you hide away when your friends come over, there's something wrong with that. You wouldn't do it to your wife, I hope, or your husband. If you do, you're weird. So that's, that's, and it's break it down, simple as possible. That's witnessing, all right? Just, there should be evidence in your life that God is good. The second thing, and oh, I've got offering. Because in the Old Testament, right from the very early days, people having having an appreciation of God, a bit of a revelation of who God is, it was totally appropriate for them to bring God offerings. Some of those offerings were just out of the overflow of a heart and wanting to do something that could, could go on and be a legacy for God. Sometimes it was an offering because they recognized they had sin in their life and they would sacrifice animals. Later on, we see that it became enshrined in law and people were you know commanded to bring a tithe into God's house and there was a whole bunch of other offerings that went along with that there were sacrifices for a whole bunch of different things but that was old testament and we see that you know sometimes there were some amazingly generous offerings there were generous offerings when 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 the tabernacle was being built Moses had to say look no more hold off we've got enough and we see sometimes there were generous outpourings but what we also see is that over time things waned and if we get to the book of malachi chapter 1 And verse 6, it says this, A son honours his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where is the honour due to me? This is God speaking. If I'm a master, where is the respect due to me, says the Lord Almighty. Skipping down a verse or so, it says, When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try bringing them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? And so we see that which started out of a heart and which people realized was, was um, uh, totally right to bring offerings to God had become something that was an inconvenience. Yeah. And today we live in the New Testament era and we don't have to bring offerings in terms of sacrifices for ourselves. We don't have to bring our animals and have them killed on our behalf to cover up for our sins because Jesus has done that. He was that sacrifice on our behalf. But that doesn't mean that offerings are not appropriate in the New Testament, it is certainly appropriate for us to bring a financial offering to God. It is certainly pro- appropriate for us to, to bring our, our, our service to God, our ministry to God, our talents, our resources, whatever it is to bring it back to God and say, God, here it is. I want to see this used for the extension of your kingdom, for the, for the spreading of your fame, that people that are struggling might come to know you and so on and so forth. And again, I, I, I love the fact that In this church, people are doing that. Many, many people are doing that. But again, I also know that the tendency is that you do something for a little while and we become complacent. Because it always boils down to an attitude. What's the attitude with which we're bringing something? Some people can bring a lot, some people can bring a little, but what's the attitude? Do we gradually start to bring less because it doesn't matter so much to us? Or do we, or do we try to shortchange God? Do, we, do things get in the way that used to, where, where certain money was designated for God, suddenly that money gets started to be designated into other areas in our lives? Maybe it's the, the service that we bring. I mean, what's the blind sheep equivalent of Coffee. You know what I'm saying? What's, what's, the, what's the lame cow version of a kids worker? Or the diseased goat of a car park attendant? I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I, don't, I hope you never experienced one of those here. But you know what I'm saying? that what we, what we bring to God, we can either bring God the best or we can try and shortchange God along the way. And what these guys were doing, they had all their good sheep and all their good cows and all their good goats but when it came to sacrifice time, it was like, I'm going to keep those for myself. And that lame one that I probably couldn't get much for at market anyway, I'll sneak that in to the offering. Short-changing God. God says, man, would a governor be pleased if you did that? If you, were, if you had the, the governor of the land coming to your house for dinner and you, you, you cut this cow up that's got this pussy old leg hanging off it because it fell down a ditch or something, would that be... Acceptable, and our attitude. You know, for those that are serving, you know, God bless those that are serving. There are some that aren't, and maybe some for good reason. Maybe some who've just joined the church. But honestly, it should be a flowing into ministry as we come into a church. But then it's about the attitude with which we minister. And really, if you know, if if this this morning the premier was going to be here or the prime minister was going to be here, you know, perhaps things might get a little bit cleaner. Perhaps. The the, the attitude with which our kids are welcome might get a little bit happier. Maybe the coffee might be a little bit, I don't know. But if it did, there'd be a problem. If we were treating some better than others and we were normally shortchanging one another, that would be a problem because ultimately we're shortchanging God. And so it's all about attitude. And I want to encourage us, whatever we're called to do, let's bring God our best. I thank God for the faithful service in this church week in, week out. But I know that sometimes you know you get to church, you're tired, you're worn out, someone says the wrong thing. And the temptation is there to short God change God and shortchange God's people with our attitude and just slap up any old thing. But God's calling us to give our best, continually to give our best, because he's worthy of that. And really, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Worship, what's God worthy of? So he's worthy of our offerings and our best offerings at that. What's next? W-O-R. Reverence. Reverence. Worship God acceptably with awe and reverence. I think it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Now, again, I don't think this is talking about style as much as attitude again. You know, you can go to a bunch of different churches across the world and there's a whole lot of different styles going on. Some very formal, some very informal. But it's not about whether we're formal or informal. That determines reverence. Reverence is all about the attitude with which we come. You know, we can come to this church and we can bounce around all over the place and we can shout and cheer. And that's not irreverent, that's a totally right response to an awesome God. I love the fact, like the kids, you know, it's frustrating at times, but Michaela. Particularly, it just bounces. When she's excited, she just bounces. The amount of times she's bounced up and hit me in the chin as I've tried to give her a cuddle or something. And I find like that when I get to church, I just bounce her. I can't stand still. And I think a lot of us are like that. You know, we just sort of, and I can't explain it any other reason than it's probably just because we can't fly. If we could, we would. You'd sort of rip this skin off and just, we'd be all over the place. But it's an appropriate response to the goodness of God, reverence. You know, it grates with me when I hear people talk about God as the old guy, the man upstairs, the big fella. Now again, I'm not offended when people who don't know God say that because that's just what non-Christians do. But when Christians talk about God that way, it says something to me about perhaps a lack of intimacy or maybe a bit of embarrassment. They're just not there yet in terms of recognising who God is. It's just not respectful. I've said before about a friend who used to, Call his mum old duck, and how my mum used to just like gnash her teeth at him you know like but it's like that and now many of us probably aren't doing that, but what attitude do we come when we bring to, when we come to church what's our attitude during the preaching of the word? are we listening because it's the word of God and, and, and we're learning the things that, that please God and, and that excite God and the things that displease God and so on and so forth. And we learn, therefore, how we can, we can, we can better uh, get in, in the flow of what God's w- wanting for our lives. Or are we just too busy texting or doing our to-do list for later on or maybe having a bit of a conversation or playing with someone's hair in front of it, whatever. There's a whole bunch of stuff that can go on in church. And again, non-Christians here, that's what they do. But may they not learn that stuff from Christians. Let's be setting an example. Let's, let's the, the way we focus, the way that we come, not being religious and raw prawnish about it, like I said, you know, within the context of who we are, we can be reverent. It's about our attitude towards God. Is God being honored. How about this? How about the way we treat people? Because people are created in the image of God. You know, the devil has tried to deface humanity and the image of God in humanity. You know, you don't know, have election times and people put posters up everywhere and, people invariably go around and put glasses on Julia Gillard and mustache and black teeth and all that sort of stuff that's kind of like what the devil is doing to humanity and you know if we if we begin to treat people based on how they what they say or how they smell or their background and all that sort of stuff suddenly we we've, we've we've got suck it into what he wants He's trying to offend God. He's trying to disrespect God by getting people's the image of God in people diminished to the point we can barely recognize it. And when we fail to see the image of God in people and we just go along with all the nonsense, we disrespect God. Again, as a father, when my kids are here, I would love to think that my children are being treated respectfully by those around about. Even if the kids are being little monkeys or whatever, even if they're they're not known by the teachers out there. Just the fact they know me, it's a, it's a, there's, a, there's an element of respect or reverence just on the basis they know us. So how much more for us who know God should we be able to treat God's children, universally, with respect? That's a challenge. It really is. But I think it's worth thinking about nonetheless. The next thing, S, because we've done W, which is witnessing, O, offering, R, reverence S is about submission now again obviously it's about submitting ourselves to God and to the word of God and obeying God's word but even beyond that the Bible says some very specific things about submitting ourselves to government submitting ourselves to those in authority specifically in the church context it talks about submitting ourselves even in Ephesians chapter 5 one to another how does that how is that worshipful? Well, how about this? that We're living in a world where people want to take the reins themselves for the most part. People want to be in control. They want to hold the power. They, they just want to set their own course. And that's the way that most people live. And that's the way that most Christians live. We dare not take God at his word. We, it's almost like our, our view of God is diminished when we don't submit because we're saying, God, I've got to keep my destiny in my own hands. You know, when, the, when, the, when God says, submit yourself to the government, what that means is, I'm big enough. You can trust me even through this government. Even if it's a, an ungodly government. You can trust me that I'm in control. I am sovereign. I am wise enough to be able to bring the best out of the situation and work in and through this situation for the good of people, even through a bad government. Church leadership, same deal, worst case scenario. I think we have good leadership in this church. I I love Tone's leadership. I love being a part of the leadership team here and the extended leadership team that we are for you, absolutely. But the trouble is, you know, the, the difference between leadership and followership is that leaders have got an inkling of where they're heading and followers often don't. And so we don't get it and therefore we don't want to submit. We want to keep the reins ourselves and do our thing because we're not sure where this is going to lead us. And when we do that, we're not only disrespecting and and not submitting to leadership, but we're also, ultimately, it's it's a reflection on our trust of God. God is being diminished through our lack of submission. Does that make sense? We're talking about what is God worth in our lives? How large is he? How big is he? How much of our focus and our attention does he have? Because it's one thing to sing. It's great to sing, but that's just a part of it. It's how we live. It's what we do. It's our daily lifestyle that ultimately, I think, means a lot. So it's great to have roses come. You know, if you're, a, if you're a lady, I'm sure it's lovely when your husband rocks up with roses and takes you out on a day. Well, that's, it's great. But if he's a slob and he never does, lifts a finger around the home, I think the relationship is going to wear pretty thin. And I know God is gracious, and I know God is good, and all of that. But I would not be surprised. I wouldn't hold it against him. <laughs> if sometimes things get a little bit thin for him, in terms of the beautiful worship we bring, and the beautiful songs we bring, and the... when it's all on our terms, when it's, it's stuff that makes us feel good. But some of this other stuff I'm talking about doesn't necessarily make us feel good. It's just stuff you do, because it's the right thing to do. Having said that, my next point is happiness. <laughs> happiness. Isn't it an indictment that some Christians look like they've been baptised in lemon juice and have lost their last friend? Doesn't that suck when, when, when like the people that have the hope of the world in their hands, in their hearts, and are to be the bringers of good news... Like, no one wants to go near him with a barge pole because they're just so miserable. Like, that is something seriously wrong there. uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Be joyful always. Now, that's not a command that we are to doggedly try and obey, that's a response to God. That's a response to God's goodness. If you know God, it's, something begins to bubble up on the inside. Like I said, you begin to bounce a little bit and get a little bit excited about life. When you begin to understand that God's just not good, but he's actually done something to a secure a relationship, an eternal relationship, and you understand what Jesus has done, surely again there's a little bit of hope that comes with that. When you begin to understand, this is what I was, but I've been saved from that, and this is now the vistas that are opened up towards me, for me, in this life, that's pretty exciting. Throw in eternity, and all that. That suddenly, what begins, what's happening around here, becomes a little bit peripheral at one level. I mean, we had a tough year last year, circumstantially. You know, for those of you that know, Sally Ann um, was diagnosed with breast cancer and had to go through some treatment. We had Hannah um, at a doctor regularly because of some stomach issues. She was, and they could not diagnose it. We got. Kathy Lee here, who's, who's an amazing lady and was able to pull some strings, get us some appointments with the top guy here in Adelaide. He had, I've, I've got no idea. I'll contact my friends in Canada and America. No idea, still no idea. And like that could be pretty scary as a parent if you allow it to get a hold of you. But I don't remember last year being a miserable one. It was just another good year in God, really. And we've come through it all because God is good. Tone mentioned about Sharon Roberts down here in the second row today and, and Brett Hennessy back there. Again, here are some people, if you sat down and talked to them, you could have a pity party if you wanted to, but they probably won't let you. Brett lost his wife last year in tragic circumstances. But as a result, people are in this church and Brett has found God. And it, it, it shows, it radiates. Sharon as well has had, some, had a tough year. A tough year. But to look at her, you would not know. In fact, even right now, out of all the smiles in the whole room, hers is the biggest. I kid you not. If you see what I see, it's Sharon's smile. It kind of blocks the rest of you out almost. <laughs> it, and it's not something that's just faked or cheesy. It's just like it's the reality of who she is. You can't talk to these people without being encouraged and inspired. Because you know, the Bible talks about the fact that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's a reality. There should be a level of happiness in our lives if we know God. And if we don't, if if that begins to dwindle, I can guarantee that it's just that we've allowed our focus to drop and we've put it on our problems rather than on our God. The next thing, I, imitation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Now, imitation often is seen in a negative light, right? You think of it as like cheap and nasty. You know, we're so used to, we live in a world where there's knockoffs and, you know, it's often, but the thing is, the problem isn't the imitation. To imitate something is actually good. If you had a Rolex watch and someone, like, literally imitated that, you would have a watch that is as good as a Rolex. Not a problem. The problem is that there are shortcuts taken along the way. And so instead of having, you know, proper um, the, I don't know what sort of steel they use in, in Rolex watches, but I know they don't use plastic. But in imitation Rolex watches, they're full of plastic. Saw that on that show the other day. This is going to shock you. Show called Porn Stars the other day. <laughs> that show, that, that porn shop, and, they just got, and the guy's trying to teach his young cousin how to tell the difference between a Rolex and a. And he says, You know, the magnifying thing, it really magnifies in a Rolex. In a, in a cheap watch, you look in that magnifying thing, it doesn't magnify anything. And he says, take the back off. And there's all this plastic in there. They don't use plastic in a Rolex. And so imitation generally is bad, but only because of the shortcuts taken. I've got news for you that we're called to be imitators of God. God has a program whereby whereby he is transforming us from one degree to another into the image of Christ. We are called to imitate Christ. And you know what? He's not taking shortcuts. That's both good and bad. bad in that it takes a long time and it can be painful. It's good in that we become like Jesus. The other side of it is though, you can take shortcuts by saying no to God when he wants to say yes, when he wants you to follow him. And then you end up with some cheap copy of a Christian. Now again, I don't want to be disrespectful, but if we're always opting out of God's development plan for our life, God's process by which he's calling us to become more like Jesus... And we see a challenge and we say no. We have an opportunity to do this because you know, we ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do? And then we do the opposite. If we're continuing doing that, we, we short-circuit the process. And that's where the, the tragedy comes about where people say, oh, Christians, bunch of hypocrites. I'm not talking about being perfect. It's a process. Every one of us is on a journey. But I'm just saying what we do have, let it be authentic. Let's not come to church and look the part. But when people scratch between the, you know, on the surface, it's suddenly it's just hollow and empty, and ugliness starts to ooze out with our attitudes and our words and our negativity and our gossip and our slander and our bitterness and all that sort of stuff. Becoming like Christ is to acknowledge the problems and then make a determined effort to be under God to begin to change. Imitation. And finally, I think we've done everything. W witnessing. O Offering. R, ah, what was it? Reverence. Reverence. S, submission. submission. H, happiness. happiness. I, Meditation. P, prayer. Started off using a bit of an analogy about marriage, and it's actually interesting. I'm using like this is the, but this is God is the real, and, and marriage is the copy of the relationship we'd have with God. But any marriage will rise or fall on its communication. Any people will know each other, please each other, enjoy each other based on how connected they are, which comes as a result of communication. And likewise, the degree to which we know God, the degree to which we enjoy God, the degree to which we trust God, the degree to which we're able to please God, it all comes down to communicating with God. It's about making time. You know, it talks about pray continually. And so, you know, it's not about having a set time. It's a a daily and a continual occurrence praying. But I know that you get busy and, you know, things, and you can't necessarily pray if you're operating some, you know, massively complicated piece of machinery that could take your fingers at any moment. But you've got to have time in your life when you can communicate with God, is what I'm saying. And don't just say, I pray always and never have a time where you actually set your focus on God. Spend some time. Talking to God about your stuff. Asking for his guidance. Asking for his perspective. Asking for his help. Saying sorry. All of the stuff that happens in any good relationship. Do that with God. Do that. The other thing is... In James chapter 5, it talks about you know, confessing your sins to one another and praying. and Then it talks about Elijah, a man just like us, and how he actually changed the weather patterns because of his prayers. The last thing I want to say about prayer and in finishing is that make sure what we talk to God about is worthy of him. He is magnified or minimized by the size of our prayers. And so, yes, let's, let's pray for, you know, me and mine and ours and our family and pray for the colds and pray for the, the new job and pray. All those things are great, but we are living in a world that has got massive issues. We're living in a society that doesn't know its left hand from its right and, and, you know, there's disaster looming, but for the church standing up. And so we should be, able to, we should be praying for the, the smaller things that pertain to just us, but at the same time, we should recognize that we serve a God who can, is control over all. And he can affect our governments. He can destroy cancer in somebody's life and bring them totally... He can even raise the debt. And I just think our, our prayer life should be reflective of God's power, of his goodness, of his generosity, of his abilities overall. And I think when we do that, again, we're saying something about the worth of God in our lives. He's not a little God that we can put on the mantelpiece and bring him out when we feel it's appropriate but he's God who is in and through all and everything we do ultimately comes down to a reflection of who is God to us we will worship him one way or another our worship should be to magnify God our our worship should cause God to be seen large in our lives it should be reflective of a big view of him not a small view we will see what God is worth in our lives one way or the other. You know what I'm saying? And so I just want to challenge us to get beyond, hey, I love, seeing, I love this worship team that's going to come up right now. It's awesome to be a part of this church. I love the fact that we do contemporary music and you know, I think I'd prefer it to Gregorian chants and all that sort of stuff. But if we just leave it here on a Sunday morning, if we just come and sing and listen to a word and then trundle off and do our own thing and take no more thought for what God might actually be trying to do in our lives? Small God. But when we recognise when we get to work tomorrow, God is there. Big God. When we recognise that He wants to intervene in not just our family and friends, but our enemies' lives. Big God. When we recognise that our society is in trouble, but God can help and we can play a part, Big God. Marriage vows are powerful in concluding. Romantic interludes are great. Date night's awesome. All that stuff is great. But it's not the basis of a strong marriage. It keeps the spark. It's necessary. I would encourage any married person to do those things regularly. But don't let it be at the expense of taking out the bins, changing the nappies, putting the kids to bed, and whatever other equivalents that are out there, in terms of our service to God, let's bring God our all. Let's bring Him our best. Because I think that's what Jesus is talking about when He spoke about spirit and truth. It's just about getting to the heart of the matter. What is God worth to you, and how is that seen in your life? Just kept singing this song as I was preparing for this. It just, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and the heart of worship is honoring God in all that we do. Thank you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.